Friends, hello, and welcome to episode 454 of the Juicebox podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking with Elizabeth, who has had type 1 diabetes since she was a child, has just become a new mother herself, and is the founder of Touched by Type 1. Today, Elizabeth and I are going to chat about how we met, her foundation, and living with type 1 diabetes. I think you're going to like it. Please remember as you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If at any point today you become interested in learning more about Touched by Type 1, you can go to touchedbytype1.org. They also have a Facebook page, they're on Instagram, and generally speaking, their wonderfulness is available everywhere that they are. Touchedbytype1.org. That's touchedbytype1.org. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. This episode is also sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. You can learn more about the meter and so much more at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Links to all the sponsors and today's guest are in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I am Elizabeth Forrest. I have type 1 diabetes, was diagnosed in 1999. This is year 22 for me. I uh, am a chief operating officer of a law firm in Central Florida and for fun have run a nonprofit for many years called Touched by Type 1. Because that's what people do when they have the very low impact job like yours. (laughs) (laughs) they they look for they look for other things to do in their spare time how in the heck did we meet do you remember i don't think i do yes you do i do so uh through the nonprofit through touch by type one we had a committee meeting for the first ever conference we were going to put on and one of our committee members who has also been on the podcast samantha arsenal who is incredible um, she said oh you've got to listen to this podcast and so we were listening and um, she said that we need Scott to to speak at this first event. And so we reached out and you came to Florida and you spoke at the first event. And here we are. And I will tell you that Sam is somebody I still keep in touch with. And she was on the podcast so long ago that I think her episode only has like two numbers and it's in, in like, <laughs> I think she was in the fifties or something like that. And it's still um it's still an episode that people use all the time. It, as a matter of fact, somebody referred me back to it. The other day, like I was talking on the private Facebook group to somebody about an insurance problem and someone jumped in and said, oh, yeah, you have to go to this episode with Samantha um, because she has an uncanny grasp of how health insurance works for private yes. people. <clears throat> it's it's fascinating how she understands that. It, it, it feels to me uh, that she just sat down one day and taught it to herself. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's what it seems like. <laughs> yeah. She's just like, I'm going to understand this now. And she, she really does. Um, and I still, to this day, will like privately like tag her in something. And I feel bad every time I do it. But I'm just like, I bet you Sam could help. And then I feel like, yeah. okay, you know. I do the same thing. I always send people to her. <laughs> and then she just takes care of it. And then I hear back yes. from somebody a month or so later. They're like, oh, we got the insulin pump. It's all good now. Sam took yep. care of it. Like, she fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to thank her. Um, my recollection, I have like a couple of like spotty recollections, but one mm-hmm. of them was that I chose to rent a car for the first <laughs> yes. time I was there because you guys were like, get in an Uber. And I was like, I don't do that. So 
<laughs> and by the way, I, I still don't do that. I'm still the only pain in the ass who shows up at your event and is like, I will get in a cab and you will reimburse me. But I am not <laughs> like, I'm not doing this. But I yeah. decided to rent a car and I think I put it on myself. I didn't, and I, I, I took care of it. So because of that, I, I made it like as cheap as possible. And <laughs> I just remember regretting that the entire time I was there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That would, that would definitely happen. <laughs> yeah. The entire time I thought I really should have just gotten in an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> make it so much easier yeah. yeah but your your event grew and i have to thank you like let me let me stop for a second and say thank you and you know by extension to sam i you were the first people who were like come to our thing and talk yeah and so that's a risk on your part and i remember having that conversation back then where i was like look i can do a really good job at this but here's the thing i've never done it before so yeah. um yeah. Well, what's what's really neat about kind of anything and everything we've always done is if we don't believe in what we're talking about or we don't believe and have tried and tested what we're bringing to the table, you know, what are we doing? And I remember having had type 1 diabetes for as long as I had at that point. I can't even remember how many years ago that was. But when I first listened to the podcast and was – kind of reading more on the blog and really understanding what was your concept, I was like, this makes so much sense. Why has no one told me this? How have I not figured this out yet? And then I told Samantha, we absolutely have to have him at our events. More people need to understand this. And it's, I mean, it's been a game changer for me. I I remember, I, I think I texted you after my next endocrinology appointment, after I had started kind of being bold with insulin. Right. And it was a dramatic change. And I mean, we'll talk about it, but it played a major part in having a very healthy, very successful pregnancy. And I, my A1C is still continues to go lower and lower every time. And it's the lowest it's ever been in almost 22 years. That's really, that's excellent. I love that. I remember, I can picture where I was standing in my kitchen when I got a text from you, which, and, and to be fair to everybody, you and I don't have some like super close personal relationship. Like, no, yeah, no. we we know how to text each other because once a year I come to Florida and I talk about <laughs> the thing, uh, which by the way, your thing has grown and grown. The last time I did it in person, I mean, my goodness, it was in a giant place. A facility. Yeah, it was a, a wonderful hotel. We had hundreds of people there. The in my opinion, the best speakers we could we could have gathered in one setting. And it was such a fun but informative and impactful event. So I can't wait till we can do those again. Do you think I, I realize you're not you don't have a crystal ball, but do you think it's 2021 or 2022 before stuff like that happens again? I think for I know for us for touch by type one, it'll be 2022 yeah. at the earliest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see trying to squeeze something in this year. Because even if suddenly, like if magically everything was just okay, which obviously that's not how things work, um, right. even even if that happened, I don't know how you would put something like that together so quickly. Yeah, you know, and we're all such a, in the high risk category. Our our lives are impacted by so much already. There, there's no need to add stress and things we don't even know about. I mean, we're all, everyone in this world is learning about COVID-19 more and more every day. So there's no... In my opinion, there's no pressure to rush something when our lives are at stake. At this point, after putting this much effort into helping people with type one, you don't want to your your long lasting feeling to be that <laughs> Elizabeth was the one that figured out if you bring 300 people with type one together, they all get COVID and drop dead. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be that person. <laughs> yeah, that's that won't look good on your tombstone at all. <laughs> no, definitely no, not. So I appreciate being, uh, you know, being patient with it. I and I I tell you 100 percent whenever you start it back up. I'm, I'd be thrilled to be there. Um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. One of the, not one of the, it's the best event I've ever been to. So, oh, thank it, you. No, it's terrific. Uh, anyway, so you were how old when you were diagnosed? I was 11 years old. Mm, you're definitely not 11 anymore. You said 22 no. years, so you're 33? I turned 33 this year, later in November, yep. Is anyone impressed that I was able to put the 22 above the 11 and in my head add two and one and two and one that quick? I'm not a math person myself, so yes. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always like joking and then people are like, I am kind of impressed. <laughs> it's just two plus one, do it again. Uh, but so 33, you've been a long time. Tell people a little bit. I know you probably tell this story more than you at this point. You could probably tell it in your sleep. But how did you start helping people with type one? Like what was the first thing you did? 
the first thing I did, I was a very, 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 I can't emphasize how much shy child, uh, but through the diagnosis of type one and having to be more comfortable speaking around adults and and talking about type one diabetes for my own safety, um, I got comfortable talking more. And I was in a dance program at a local magnet school in, in Sanford, Florida. And we had put on a dance production through that school already. And so when that happened through the class curriculum, I thought, why don't we do this again and invite our friends and family to the school theater, charge a few dollars and whatever we collect, we'll give it to a diabetes organization. And we have fun in the process. That was the first thing we did. And it, I, I know it was a rather large idea at the time, but I was very lucky to have people around me that bought into it and thought, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. I mean, I was a kid when I came up with it, but that spun into a huge event. Uh, Dancing for Diabetes is, is the name. And this past year in 2020, we celebrated our 20th annual show um, with COVID precautions in place. It was a virtual show. It was very different than we've ever done, but it, it started really tiny all those years ago. And grew into this huge production and later a much larger, more comprehensive nonprofit organization that reaches a lot of people. So the first thing was Dancing for Diabetes. You did something that's, I mean, literally uh, from a small child's idea. By the way, anything else? You ever tell your parents they should diversify their 401k or anything like that? (laughs) No. (laughs) Mom, I think we need to protect ourselves a little more. I'd like to get you a will, dad a separate one. uh, (laughs) Because it is a big, I I mean, it's a huge idea. Like, it's easy to say stuff out loud, I guess, is my point. Like, I know, but then to make it happen is is a different level of focus and drive. Um, Absolutely. And- but again, I mean, I, I have to give credit to there were so many people involved. And, and the fact that my school principal said yes. I mean, if he could have said no, yeah. most people would say no. But he said yes. And here we are. So it's it was definitely a little luck as well. well yeah, And you have to run into the right people along the way. I, mm-hmm. This is nothing to do with that. But when I was in high school, a friend of mine who was maybe a year or two older than me uh, told his English teacher one day that he wanted to start a landscaping company <clears throat> and then he needed $2,500 to buy a truck and a mower and a, and a trailer to get started. Mm-hmm. And the English teacher gave him the money. And a number of years later, he had to buy the English teacher out of the business for $25,000. And to this day, the man runs one of the largest landscaping companies in, in the Northeast. Did it's- Are you hearing these sounds? No, I'm good. What's wrong? Okay. Okay. My computer just made a sound. I'm sorry. I wanted to make sure you weren't hearing it in the background. No, I'll I'll bitch if I hear noise. Don't worry. Okay. (laughs) But I just think that I think about that. Like he didn't come from like, he just, I mean, he was like in 11th grade, (laughs) you know what I mean? And he found a partner and bought a truck and turned it into a massive corporation. Um, That's that's awesome. It's so impressive. And there's so many stories like that. And it's, pretty inspiring to hear those sorts of things because then people get ideas of, Oh, I can do that too. Right. And maybe, maybe it's different, you know, something completely different, but it gives people the idea of, you know, what is, what is, what am I good at? What can I bring to the table and what can I create for good? And it's so different than like now, I, I hate to say nowadays that, that I got to find a better <laughs> word than that. But like, you see somebody like, I'm going to do a thing. Like, what are you doing? Like, I got an Instagram account. And I'm going to change the world. I'm like, mm, I don't think you're going to. But um, you know, like, I, I, that's not how all that works. Uh, you, you know, you have to. I, I wish uh, people would never understand probably the level of detail that goes into to something like that. So uh, tell me a little bit about it. Like when you set up, you know, when when I, you know, how soon before I show up in Florida do you guys start thinking about it? For that year. Oh gosh, um, we start a year in advance on on our conference, on the show, um, and and those are things. Well, the show, you know, we've done it twenty times so far, so it's something that's relatively turned key for us, other than COVID throwing a wrench in. But um, even when we have done a good job of creating a, a pretty good template, we still start a year in advance of thinking and brainstorming and what more can we do? How can we make it better? How can we reach more people? So minimum a year in advance. <laughs> do you do you constantly have that feeling? Like, like the way I describe it for me personally is, <clears throat> excuse me, once you 
once you see that you have a thing, whatever it is, an idea or a thought or something you can hold in your hand that makes someone's life better, the next thought is, how do I reach more people? Is yeah. that right? Mm-hmm. Right away. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a burning feeling inside, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And because I know that there's there has been so much productive positivity through through what we do. And, and it's like, you know, there's so many people that don't have access to to really great resources or information, let alone the programs that we can help them with or the people we can connect them to at the very least. So it's we're, we're constantly thinking, how can we reach more people and how do we do it? Yeah, it, it's um, uh, it's a driving force behind me. Like I, I always just think as long as the feedback is coming back from the podcast the way it is, it's it's incumbent upon me to find mm-hmm. more people to at least give the opportunity to hear it. Like I don't exactly. Yeah, I'm not trying to force it on anybody. Right. But they should know. Like mm-hmm. because you said something earlier. Like why would no? Like why has no one ever told this to me? Mm-hmm. Which is 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 insane because you know a couple of years ago I don't know how your health was prior to the podcast, but it sounds like it got a lot better. Yeah, I mean it was. I would say I was average. And for being in this you know, world so long, it shouldn't be average. It, sh- it should be better. You should learn more along the way. But it was, I wasn't getting any new information or any new help. Uh, I wasn't also looking for it. And so that, I think that kind of comes with diabetes burnout at some point. Um, you know, you get kind of in a point of being settled and okay, and I'm getting by. But I, I was approaching a point in my life where I was thinking, okay, how how do I get better? How do I make this better? Uh, I talk to people every day, all day about type one diabetes. I need to be on the top of my game. So it was timing for me. Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. If I gave you a simple choice between having an accurate blood glucose meter and one that wasn't as accurate, which one would you choose? Well, I think you're right. I couldn't hear you, but I think you're saying, Scott, I would take the more accurate blood glucose meter. This seems like an easy question, and it is. Also easy could be getting that Contour Next One blood glucose meter. Head to contournext.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, you're going to see big words that say, what do your test strips really cost you? Maybe too much. Insurance may not be the best way to buy test strips. Find out if Contour Next test strips over the counter might be cheaper. Can you imagine? Cheaper? <laughs> How much money can you save? Go find out at contournext.com forward slash juice box. While you're there, you can look into the possibility of getting a free Contour Next One meter by clicking on the meters and strips savings link, where you will also find out about their test strip choice card. That's right, the Contour choice card. There's a lot to find out here at this website, and I would like it if you'd go take a look. When you go, use my link in the show notes, contournext.com forward slash juice box. This meter is going to be easy to carry, easy to hold in your hand. It's going to have a bright light when you're using it in the dark. It's going to have an easy to read screen. There's an app that you can connect to your phone to use it to give it even more features, or you don't need to use it with the app. That's your choice. It's the bomb diggity. It's the bestest meter that Arden has ever used. It's also the most accurate one that we've ever had. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Glucagon.com forward slash juice box. And of course, even though we didn't talk about it right here, because we're talking about it all episode long, let me just throw in touchedbytype1.org. Go find out what Elizabeth built. But first, finish listening to how Elizabeth built it.
I feel like I should be telling you something here. Um, top of my head, I like submarine movies. I don't know if you do or not, but I really do. My favorite modern one is uh, Crimson Tide, I think. Is the idea of talking about management directly, I'm not saying that I've, I'm, I'm genuinely not trying to say like I came up with something, but I'm, I'm, it's uncommon. Like I've found it in the space to be uncommon. I think mm-hmm. that, I think that that's part, part of the reason why the podcast excelled is because I, I thought, I felt like one of the places that people were lacking was they would always tell you like, oh yeah, I know it's hard to have diabetes or, you know, um, I have burnout, you have burnout. Like it was always a lot of that, like, here's what's wrong and, let's all commiserate a little bit so we feel like we're not alone, which I genuinely feel like is a is a massive value for people. But I always thought that the people who were doing well, like who really had it like kind of dialed in, I never I never saw people like that. But I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine that they didn't exist. So right. how how come they weren't out in this if there's a space, like why not be in the middle of it and ring a bell and tell somebody? So I just don't I know. know why that ha- doesn't happen more. Yeah, I don't know either. And, you know, one of the bigger things for me with being bold with insulin is I think it really opened my eyes to the fact that I could be in charge of my type 1 diabetes and I could think outside the box and I could be ever evolving and I shouldn't be settling for what I've was told 10, 15 years ago and still trying those same things and seeing the same results. And I think it was kind of like an eye opener, a light bulb went off of, oh, I can do this differently. And up until that point, no one or nothing out there led me to think that. And I think that that's a huge part of, of everything you do is just opening your eyes that you can think outside the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just, I, I don't know another way to say it. Like it wasn't on purpose, um, mm-hmm. meaning like I, I always did look at the space and think, I don't know why more people aren't just saying what works. Like I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm, yeah. as I started seeing it, I'm like, I'm going to say it. But I, I think it's more, it's something that I can for myself trace back in my whole life. Like if you were to come up to me when I was eight years old and say, uh, you know, Scott, this is my friend Jim, and my dad was introducing me to someone, and then and then Jim ended up being an idiot or an ass or something like that, I would not curtsy to Jim because he was older than me. And then my dad would pull me aside later and say something like, you know, you got to be respectful. He's older than you. And I always mm-hmm. thought to myself, like, why does that matter? <laughs> right, right. Like, why? Why? Yeah. Because he's older than me. Do we have to pretend he's not a dumbass? Like, like, I don't <laughs> I don't get that part of it. Right. And so yeah. I've just never really felt like I don't think that I live in a space in my head where you tell me this is as good as it gets. And I just go, mm-hmm. OK. Yeah. You know, no, that's great. Yeah. I just feel like let's fight back against it and see how far we can beat this thing back. Um, mm-hmm. And around diabetes, you know, I really do kind of believe and I'll, I hope I mean, I guess I should knock on some wood. I hope I never find out. But I don't know if I would have gotten type one if I would have come to any of these ideas or if I would just mm-hmm. be another person kind of lost in the sea of average. I'm getting by. This is OK. Hopefully like yeah. that would have been good luck. You know, I think yeah. it, I think it was because it was for Arden. And I just was yeah. like, I can't let her live like this, you know? Right, right. Well, anyway, I appreciate you having me down there. That was a, <laughs> a really big deal for me um, because, you know, someone said, look, we have a thing and this guy's saying something reasonable. And it would, it, it wasn't easy, right? Like, let's be honest. Like, I stand up in front of a group of people and I say a lot of things to them that they've never heard before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, I can't imagine there wasn't a little bit of hand-wringing on your side where you're like, uh Somebody stand in the back of the room and make sure he doesn't say something stupid. <laughs> well, I definitely sat up front for your session because I was like, I need to hear it. I need to know what's going on. And I loved every minute of it. I'm glad. It was great. That first one. Yep. But honestly, had I gone wrong, was there like a hook on a long pole that was going to yank me off? The- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had a lot of faith in you. Thank you. <laughs> there was that. no backup plan. <laughs> so I get a text one day from you and it's. I think you're telling me that you're in the parking lot of your endocrinologist's office and you're yes. telling me about your A1C. Um, I'm never going to forget that. 
because <laughs> after we kind of went back and forth real quickly, I'm not good at those conversations, I don't think, because I'm always like, like there's a little voice inside of my head that goes, yeah, well, you've just probably pre-bolus and got your basil right. And it's not that big of a deal, Elizabeth, but good job, you know? And, and um, so I, I feel like I'm bad at those conversations, but it made me smile. I thought it was really terrific. And then, you know, when the text conversation feels like it's going to end, but you get one more. And I got this one that said something like, if you remember, you'll tell me, but it was sort of like, never tell my husband that I told you this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> normally I'll leave and I'll tell him. And yeah, I told you first. You were it, the first to hear it. It really stuck in my <laughs> head. And first of all, it was it was, it was was heartwarming. Like, I was like, wow, like, I did, like, here's how it feels. Like, if you really want to know, I'm like, I did said or something, something that led to a person who I know, you know, professionally Mm-hmm. To reach out to me personally and say, hey, I just want to let you know how this is going. And Well, uh, I mean, you know, as so someone with type one, it's just, it's so impactful to have finally found something that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't overly complicated and wasn't very involved, but it just, it took some, a new, a th- new approach to thinking about it. And it made a huge difference in my health, which obviously our health affects so many things, but it was just like, I don't even know how to describe it, but the feeling of having had type 1 diabetes for so long at that point and something new coming in and fixing it, it was just, it was great. And I just was so appreciative that the podcast is out there, the blog is out there, the information is out there, you're out there doing all this and trying to reach as many people because I'm healthier today because of it. I'm healthier today because of Arden, essentially. Yeah. I I um I try to tell her sometimes, but she's still not old enough to mm-hmm. she's still sixteen. So she's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell those people they're welcome. And I'm like, oh, I'm like right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like when people are like, You should bring her to an event. And I'm like, mm. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that. Like that's what you're looking for, but uh, really, like, try to imagine my sarcastic like wit inside of a 16 year old girl who's not that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who didn't raise a girl with type one diabetes, so she doesn't <laughs> doesn't have any of those soft feelings that I have about all this. <laughs> that's so funny. It's it's um I I'm I'm forever gonna wonder, and I'm gonna try to help her as long as I can, obviously. But she grew up in a world where she just doesn't have in her mind, she doesn't have any of the things holding her back that other people yeah. who grew up with diabetes. Like, I'm not kidding you. Yesterday, Arden's, I say the words Arden's period too much on this podcast, but Arden's mm-hmm. definitely premenstrual right now. Mm-hmm. And she got done her online schooling. She comes downstairs and she says, uh, I'm not hungry. I'm like, okay, but I am very hungry. And I was like, okay, but nothing in the house seems right. And I was like, oh God, it's going to be one of these. Like, you know, and I was like, so we're going through everything. And she finally says, here's what I want to do. And I'm like, okay. She goes, I want grapes, a banana and chicken. (laughs) I was like, yeah. And she goes, yeah, yeah. And I'm going to have chips with it. And I was like, okay. Now health issues aside, (laughs) like with those food choices, um, I never thought, well, she can't eat that. And more importantly to me, like she never thought. She I, can't eat yeah, it. Yeah, I can't do that. It, it right. never occurred to her. And I guarantee you, if she's had diabetes since she was two. If she was mm-hmm. 16 and we didn't figure out the things we figured out, she would have those thoughts and then swallow them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like absolutely. I'm, yeah, I'm going to have a banana and grapes and chips and chicken. And then she'd think, no, I have diabetes. I can't do that. And yeah. And I think that's where the where some real problems come in. Like the oh, more yeah. psychological I mean, stuff. I I think that I understand it now and I look at it differently, but for the majority of my life, food was medicine. It was a, a it was a tool that I had to use at different times for different reasons. And that leads to a whole other set of issues and topics too or could I should say, but but yeah, I mean you know, it's, we, we talk about this amongst ourselves at Touched by Type 1, that, you know, it's a blessing and a curse to be diagnosed so young, because, you know, with the, with the right family and the right resources and information, by the time you're more aware of what's going on around you, it's kind of second nature. But at the same time, you know, you, you don't want your kid, you don't want yourself to have had type 1 diabetes for that long, or to have it period. So, you know, um, I can I can remember times without type one, but unfortunately, most of my life is 
is with type one. Yeah. I, the only time I can feel myself, I'm going to use the word frustrated, but I don't mean it that way, mm-hmm. but feeling frustrated with an interaction between Arden and diabetes and food is when I see her go, oh, never mind, I can't have that right now. Mm. I feel like I let her down that she thinks that. And we mm. don't, like, we're very obviously not limiting with what she eats. Also, yeah. I think I should be clear, Arden doesn't have potato chips and bananas and chicken like for lunch usually but it's just you know when those <laughs> hormones, day, day. yeah those hormones hit people and when i say people i think i mean women it's fascinating <laughs> like she's just like you know what sounds good and i'm like that doesn't sound okay yeah you know? uh but but if i see her say like oh my blood sugar's you know 150 i can't have that and then i'm like oh no no you can just here's what we have to do if she goes no forget it that makes me feel sad and i think it comes yeah. out as frustration because i'll stop and i'll say look we can do this like, I don't know, like, all right, your blood sugar got to one. I know this sounds crazy to some people, but like, all right, your blood sugar got to 140 and it's not where we want it to be. Um, right. But we're going to make a big bolus right now. I'm going to crush that 140 and I'm going to use it as a pre-bolus and we're going to go right into the food and you can do this. Like, you can be eating this food in 10 minutes. Um, and most of the time she'll go for it, but it's when she says, no, I don't want to wait that I'll say, well, then don't wait. Let's just do it then. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like I would rather her blood sugar be higher than for her to have that thought. Sure. Yeah. You know, so. No, I mean, that's that's the best. It, it just way it, to approach it. Yeah, it just makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, I can't believe that uh, I even have common sense, but around this, I actually <laughs> actually do. Uh, <laughs> so, um, what are you trying to do with Touch by Type One? Like, what's its goal? Because when I do, like, listen, I, I, it's no secret to anybody that's listening. You buy ads on the podcast. Um, I think after I was down there the first or second time, you reached out to me and said, like, I'd, I want to find out if I can get an ad on the podcast. And I was excited. I tell people mm-hmm. all the time. I genuinely mean it. There are a number of advertisers on the podcast. I feel one million percent comfortable standing behind every one of them, um, whether they're a device and what they do or if they're, um, you know, a medication and how they work or an organization and what it does. Um but I have a hard time telling people what, because I'm always just like, just go check it out. You'll see, like, they're helping people find out. Uh, but what would you, you know, what's the longer idea of what Touch by Type 1 is? So it really is connecting with people that need us. I mean, that's what it comes down to at its core. Um, we've all found through our different experiences that different programs or services or resources weren't available at different times or for specific people. And so we just want to eliminate all that all that, and, and get the information out to those that need it or that want it, I should say. And if, if we can connect with one more child or one more adult that was just diagnosed with diabetes and give them the tools and resources so they can independently thrive with diabetes, we did, we did everything we could have ever imagined. And so it's really just connecting with people so they can have a good experience. So they don't have to think, their type one diabetes diagnosis is going to limit them from anything. And I, it's how I've lived my life is I don't let type one diabetes get in the way. It's, it's a huge part of who I am. And it's led me to a lot of interesting experiences and people, but it does not stop me from anything. And I want that for everyone. I want everyone to, to go after whatever it is they want. I like that. It's not when you talk about it, it doesn't feel like a corporate pamphlet. I don't know. No, I don't know. Not. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, we're going to do good things for people who have type one diabetes. Yeah. And we're, we're, we evolve every day. I mean, it's, we have such a great group of people that are connected and, and part of different committees and on our board. And we always talk about, okay, what well, more can we do? Like I said before, but you know, what's, what's not happening in our community or who are we not connecting with and how do we do that? And, and what information is missing? And uh, we're constantly listening to people in our communities to find those answers out. And all of our programs are because of that, because we were listening to what other people needed, right? Because we all have our own experiences and have different needs, but that doesn't mean those are the same for everyone else either. So we are constantly evolving and changing to make sure that we're providing what people want, because if they don't need what we're offering, what are we doing? Yeah. And, and if, and if I don't offer the thing that they want, I hope they can find it somewhere else. I, I have to exactly. say, I've, I've taken that. So I started a Facebook page at the behest of people listening. 
So I, I always had like a public page where I'd just be like, there's an episode out or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm not very social media focused. Um, mm-hmm. To me, the podcast is is the thing. And mm-hmm. so enough people asked for a private group so that they could find other listeners to talk to. And I just thought like, okay, like, what do I care? You know, like I was <laughs> like, I'll make it for you. So I built this private group and, you know, build it. It takes 20 minutes and, um, and you put it together. And I think it's been up not for a year even. And there's like almost 10,000 people in it. And they're just all helping each other. And at first it made me uncomfortable. At first I was like, oh no, like, am I, like, I'm not really sponsoring this, but like, what if somebody says something in here I don't think is right? But so many people who listen to the show came into it that it just, it's fascinating how quickly they come to a consensus together. They don't fight. It's it. And I never imagined how valuable it was going to be. And some days I watch it do things that I know I don't accomplish with the podcast. And that just made me feel like, wow, like, look, the podcast made this thing. It brought these people together and these people are Mm -hmm. solving problems for each other. I could not, I'm only one person. Like I could never have done all this. Um, It's very cool to watch it uh, grow. I, I, that's, there's a better word well, than grow. You you created a community, and and that's what people need, and that's what people want um, when they want to kind of take charge and and see a better outcome. And one of our board members is always talking about how you know if if I could change my daughter's diagnosis to never happening, sure, absolutely I would. But look at this great community that we've been a part of because of, because of it, it's kind of the silver lining. And so I see, see that Facebook page as your silver lining as well. And one of many, but it creating a community is so impactful on so many people, one that they want, you know? Yeah. It's so difficult when you're driving the bus to see Mm -hmm. everything that's going on on the bus. Like, and like I can look over my shoulder sometimes and think like, that's really good, but Mm -hmm. I don't have enough time to, to like really dissect it and look at it. I just think it's running well and that's great and let it go. I have to be honest, it's something about bringing enough like-minded people together on a subject is why it runs smoothly. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you know, sometimes there's stuff that flares up in the world that's political or social or something and you can see for a split second these people don't have a lot else in common besides this diabetes thing. Mm-hmm. But look Absolutely. at how they get together on the diabetes thing. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, you it know. is. Yeah, I, I just, I love it. And you're doing it in a, it, it's funny, the, you know, I used to think, like, when I very first started, like, doing an ad, I always thought, like, well, I'm doing an ad for an organization. It's a local organization in Florida. And then the last time we were together, you told me, like, I'm starting to, like, you started to hear from people outside of your area and oh yeah, we have with with some of our programs we reach people beyond Central Florida, and so we have people that are connected to us now and have been for a while all across the country, and we connect with people more so in the past year, mostly because of COVID internationally. Now, I mean, I don't I don't want to dive unless there's time to dive too much into some of our programs, but. The one I will say is our D-Box program is a, a free kit to those recently diagnosed, has a ton of information, has materials, samples, products, and programs that we believe in wholeheartedly that are productive and living with type 1 diabetes. But we offer this program for free to anyone that wants one. And and we've been able to reach so many people that way and get them this information that they might not have been able to get without this program. And last year, 2020, we distributed about 2000 boxes across the country and had so many requests internationally, but, you know, we're a, we're a relatively small nonprofit organization and to provide something for free right now, we can't do it internationally as well, but we're, we're working on something that we'll be able to reach across the globe pretty soon, which is pretty exciting. That's excellent. No, I, I, it's just really, to me, it's, it's a, it's uplifting and yeah. I, I'm, I I will never forget the first time I was at your thing and there were kids dancing in another room. I, I'm like, can <laughs> yeah. I slip in there for a second? And so like I go in and I realize like I have no connection to dance. 
I I can't dance. First of all, um, I'm and my children don't dance. I, I've never been around it. And I walked in. It's a completely new experience for me. And these kids were just, they were joyous. Like, they had so much life in their face. And they were having such a good time. And the people who were directing them and helping them were having such a great time. And then I really looked. And I was like, man, all these kids have diabetes. Yeah. Like, this is really yeah. cool. You, you know, um, it, it just really felt great. Uh, so I know there are tons of people who love dance. And so I'm like, when they, you guys have to see their program. Like, I would <laughs> imagine if you're a dance person, this is just the craziest thing that I started seeing video over the years. I was like, this thing's amazing. Like, I, just, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. Like how did Elizabeth pull this all together from like her house when she was like nine or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> it, it has evolved. That is for sure. It is not the first show. Uh, our most recent show is far from the first show that was in my parents' driveway. So <laughs> it's come a long way. You know, it's funny. As you told the story, I was like, she's not getting to the part where it happened in their driveway. <laughs> I always forget to mention it. I don't know why, but I guess I imagine I, I relate the first show with being in the theater. And so even the first show that was in the theater is drastically different than what it is today. But but yeah, I mean, the show literally did start on my driveway. My my dance class came over to my house. Mm-hmm. Um, we warmed up surrounding my swimming pool in the backyard. And when all of the family and friends that were in the front yard lined along our very long driveway with like a, a grill going face painters. It was this very interesting little event we put together, but my, I remember my dance class um, warming up by the pool and then walking from the backyard to the front. And we performed two or three dances on the driveway for everyone that was there as like entertainment. And, and that is what led to the idea along with having produced a show through the school of let's, you know, call it dancing for diabetes and put on a show. But yeah, it started on my driveway. It's so crazy to think back to that time. <laughs> Do you remember how much money you raised that day? I think we raised like maybe a thousand dollars. Maybe you, I mean, we had, we had things like you had to guess how many jelly beans were in a jar. I mean, it was, it was so different than Ed, everything we do now, but it's really cool that it started that way. Yeah. I would say so. I mean, the, the like <laughs> last time we were all together, I thought like, this is like, this is like walking through Disney world. There were a lot of like, there's just a lot of people there and there were people coming from distances. And yeah, I have to say mm-hmm. like, I do a fair amount of speaking at things and, that's the thing that like always shocks me is that when somebody says they traveled a distance to get there, I just think, wow, like that's how desirous they are of like camaraderie, community help, whatever it is they're looking for. It's so valuable and at the same time unavailable to them that they that they can make a day, travel a distance, you know, spend a night in a hotel sometimes I've seen people do. Yeah. I um, mean, not not 2020, but in 2019, we learned of a family that had traveled from Connecticut to come to Florida in Orlando to to attend our show, downtown Orlando in a theater. And I want to say they heard it on the podcast um, and maybe I'm just connecting the Northeast with the podcast. I don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure the connection was there. And um, that was, that like blew my mind that they traveled that far. And then in 2020, when we basically, when I made the decision to still ensure dancing for diabetes would continue, but do it safely uh, through a virtual show, we had people able to tune in again for free from anywhere in the world. And we had people viewing from 22 different countries. And, and so we've reached more people and watching our show production than we ever have. And that was really cool. And um, you know, it's, it's another positive that came out of 2020, but it was incredible to me that so many people got to see the show, which is you know, a baby of mine to an extent. And that we we reach so many more people than we ever have, and that was just really cool. And it's just the greatest feeling. I did an online thing uh, last year for like a small group. It was like thirty people, um, mm-hmm. uh, but they were all in Japan. And I was just oh, like, wow. I'm like, how is this happening? Like, I I I don't know that people 
would understand completely. But I, I didn't start a podcast and go, you know what I'll do is I'll start a podcast about my ideas around type 1 diabetes, and soon it'll just be listened to all over the world. Like You don't <laughs> think that's going to happen, you know? And no, yeah. uh, I interviewed a woman recently who's living in Israel. Um, uh, geez, I just, inter- I just interviewed a woman from Iran recently, uh, Australia, New Zealand. Like Those are like the obvious places. Like I can't believe how big the podcast is in England. And, yeah. and stuff like that. And when that happens to me, like there's a moment where you're just like, oh, it's working. And that like the like the businessy part of it feels good. But then you really stop and think that these people like who are living a life similar to yours or my daughter's, they're everywhere. And, you know, you're still only reaching the ones that can be reached. Like there are plenty of places in the mm-hmm. world that people have type one diabetes right now. And they don't have internet access or they right. don't have a cell phone to listen to this with or the time or, again, mm-hmm. how would they even find out about, you know, about Touch by Type 1 or about a podcast or something like that. Right. And I just. Yeah, no, I um, I can tell you with 100 percent certainty that when I was a middle school student, I never imagined having that show, whether it was on my driveway or the school, that it would ever evolve to anything near as close to what we have today. And I always tell people, if you have an idea, you know, as little as it might seem, because that seemed really small to me at the time, do it, try it. If, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, you tried and you never know where it's going to go. But yeah, I, I definitely understand your thought of you never imagining how big it would grow. I can definitely relate. What is it like, like personally for a second, like taking the organization out of it and everything, does it feed you in a certain way? Oh, absolutely. It is, it's kind of, it's a hobby for me at this point. It's fun. It inspires me because I get to see whether it's daily or on a monthly basis, how productive and impactful it is. And it just, it really just brings me so much joy to know that we're doing something so good despite something so awful. Hmm. So yeah, it, it touches me personally all the time when I take a step back and reflect on everything. Yeah, I can't imagine it wouldn't. I I mean, I can tell you that at the beginning of the episode where, you know, you said that you felt like what you learned on the podcast, like led to a healthy pregnancy. I was that, that makes me feel like I always like it makes me uncomfortable. And then so I joke about it. And I'll be like, you should have named your baby after me. But um, (laughs) that's really just to deflect from the fact that I have a lot of emotions around it. And I um. I don't even know how to respond to something like that, you, you know, um, but what, what, what you ended up having a little boy, right? Yes, we, we have a little boy. He is just about five months old now. So it's been quite an experience and journey so far, a wonderful one. Um, but one I could have never really fully prepared for. Yeah. What would my name have had to have been for me to get a baby named after me? Hmm. Because my name stinks. That's the problem, right? Like, No, it's not a bad name at all. And I mean, this is going to sound like an excuse, but (laughs) we did name our son after my husband, his father, who's also named after his father. So he's a third. So we were kind of keeping it in the family. That makes you feel better. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) You know, maybe. (laughs) I got a note from somebody recently that said, we're not going to name our baby after you, but I think they're going to name their pet after like my, my last name. And I was like, I'm totally taking that. That is so good. That's, that's nice. I mean, pets are a part of the family, so that's a big deal, at least to me. I honestly was thrilled. I was like, this is a major accomplishment for me. Someone's dog is named uh, with my last name. I was like, I'm winning, damn it. Uh, but no, it's just so it described to people a little bit like you've had diabetes for a good long time. You had it where, like you said, you were doing just okay, you've had it where you were doing better and you've had it where you're doing better and you're pregnant. What's it like to go from like those, those segments, I guess, like what's it like living? eh, Okay. First of all, what's the downside Um, of it? You know, it's, it's kind of, for me, it was, I felt like I was in a rut and I felt like I couldn't see the light to get out of just being okay. And in every other aspect of my life, I'm not someone that just settles for okay. So that was really frustrating for me. Um, But I will say that getting out of it and and finding resources and, and a way to make myself better, I feel like that was almost like a, a reset button. 
and kind of a, a new chapter in my diabetes life. And one, there was a point years ago, someone asked me the question, does diabetes get easier with time? And I said, no. And I said that throughout my life, like everyone's life, we were constantly evolving and changing and growing, but there are things that happen in our lives that force us to change and to grow for, for better or for worse. And, you know, when you're a teenager and you have to learn how to drive a car and then you go off to college, you're dating, you're interviewing for jobs. I mean, diabetes has a play in all that. And so learning those things are, you know, new and challenging, but then throw diabetes into it. And that's a whole other layer of a new challenge. And so diabetes is constantly part of the mix. And so that's why I say, no, it doesn't get easier. You, you might learn some things along the way, but then there's more to learn in life itself. Yeah. I found for me that it didn't, it doesn't get easier, but I got so much better at it that there are times when it can feel easy and I'll take that. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. Yeah. I'll take that mm -hmm. as a win. Like I, I it's always going to be a grind, right? Like it's always mm -hmm. going to be the same stuff over and over again. And there are definitely days where you're just like, oh my God, like how could my infusion set have gone bad? Like right here. Like, like, right. you know, like I'm looking at Arden and I'm like now, like not now, like, oh my God. All right. Like, but you don't say those things out loud anymore. And eventually you don't feel them. You just see the, you know, oh, the pod's out of insulin. Let's change it. And you do yeah. it and you're right back to it again. And you just go back to life. It doesn't, it doesn't take a big chunk out but i'll tell you the years prior like a long time ago just something like a, a you know a pump change or something like that you're just it it, it felt dreadful it's like oh mm -hmm. and i and i don't feel like that anymore and i don't think arden does either and it's not because she got accustomed to it i think it's because we chose to think about it differently definitely you know and i was just going to say i don't know if it's the same for you but my kind of thought process on it all has been that, you know, diabetes throws curveballs and you can do the same thing one day and it's different the next. Um, but those moments where I have to wake up in the middle of the night and change my sight because something's not working or today my salad spiked my blood sugar to this amount, those sort of moments where you have to rethink the next move even though everything up to that point has worked, I feel like I've been able to apply those sort of lessons and thoughts in my non-diabetes life, if, if one exists, if one could exist. Um, but whether it's work or back when I was in school, it, it kind of teaches you an interesting life skill of adapting. Mm. And I always try to find those sorts of tools and lessons when I'm, especially working with the kids with diabetes in our dance program is, you know, this is awful. This is horrible. I wish I didn't have diabetes. I wish you didn't either, but we have it. So what can we do in a positive approach to live better with it? And, and part of that is your mentality and thinking, okay, this bad thing just happened. Well, how can I make it better? And I just, I think it's been an interesting approach for me coupled with the, your tools of, of living better. I have to say that I, at one point, I've, I'm always kind of evolving how I think about it. And at mm -hmm. one point, if you said to me, like, Scott, I only have a couple of seconds, like, what's the secret here? I would tell you, uh, you got to get your basal right. You have to mm -hmm. learn your pre-bolus time. Yep. You have to understand the impacts of different foods. And I used to yep. stop at that. And now there's a fourth thing. And I think it's that you have to remain flexible. Yes, um, absolutely. It, and it's, it, there's an agility that's mental that you, you just have to embrace. And it mm -hmm. has to be that, damn it, a salad has never made my blood sugar go up before. But this time it did. Mm -hmm. So... Stop thinking about the salad. Now start thinking about the number. How do I fix yeah. it without causing a low? Do that thing. Move forward. Exactly. Right? Just like yeah. that. Not not stand around for three hours going, this doesn't make any sense. My blood sugar shouldn't be high. This has never happened with salad before. Oh my God, is this going to be a thing that happens with salad now? Like, like you can't <laughs> like you can't fall down that rabbit hole because the truth is the next salad you eat, it's probably not going to happen that way. <laughs> And so, right, exactly. Right, yeah. right. And, and if, listen, if you want to try to dig into why one salad in six months made your blood sugar pop up, I'm sure you could figure it out eventually. But in the moment, that is not valuable for you. It is, it is absolutely the opposite of valuable. It's, it's maddening. And so, you know, stay flexible. It's get your basal right, figure out, 
you know, the, the lead time your insulin needs to work and it's going to be different from one meal to the next, you know, to the next. And then, you know, learn the difference between 10 carbs of rice and 10 carbs of watermelon and et cetera, and et cetera. And then yeah. stay flexible. Because when we started really talking about variables, um, like when, when, so when I made the pro tip series, um, I, I started it by, I, I got Jenny aside privately and I was like, Jenny, listen, like, I want to take these ideas I talk about on the podcast. And I was like, I make them a little less scattershot the way I talk through them. Like, I think they should live somewhere in their own episodes. Could you come on and like, like be my equilibrium a little bit so I don't get carried away talking? And she's like, sure. And then she started getting involved. And I was like, oh my God, she's like brilliant at this. Like, this is fantastic. And so at one point I was like, is there anything I'm not talking about that you think I should? And she's like, well, I'm glad you asked. And, you know, and, she, and she gave me a couple of ideas. So some of the pro tip episodes are are Jenny building onto the pro tips as well. And the one thing she said is like, we have to talk about variables for people mm -hmm. um, because some people will, you know, you see it online. Sometimes they'll make this list of things that, you know, you know how people like to be like, like, Oh, my diabetes is just easy. I count my carbs and I do this, except if this happens and then they make this long list of things. And the inference is that there are so many variables. I couldn't possibly know them all. And that's true, but I think, like, what's the next part of that sentence? And I think yeah. it is, so you don't really need to know them all. You need to know what to do when they pop up. Exactly. Right? And you need yeah. to know, like, this, like, quick. Mm -hmm. You don't want to have to sit around for an hour wringing your no. hands, figuring it out. Yeah. I, you, you know, you said something earlier that I wanted to loop back to for a second, if I can. Mm -hmm. You are a go-getter. Like, you are not a sit-still person, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, you said earlier you're an attorney and you run a nonprofit. Like, this is obviously not a person who's, um, you know, who's just happy to, like, sit around for a whole Saturday afternoon watching the sun. Um, so I, I, I really want to ask, like, when your blood sugar wasn't doing what you wanted it to do, like, how does that impact you personally when that's your personality? <laughs> well, let me say this first. I'm not an attorney. I am the chief operating officer. I've run the firm. Um, I've been at this company almost 10 years. So I manage attorneys, but I'm not one. And a lot of people think I am because of my position. So I just want to clarify that. <laughs> but to go back to the question. So, and the question is, just because I lost my train of thought on How, that. Um, when you're a person who does what you do, right? So, mm -hmm. and you're a person who is very driven inside and 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 use of results and things mm -hmm. like that. When you're yeah. putting that kind of effort into diabetes and not getting those results back, how does that impact you psychologically, I guess? Yeah, so I would say how it affects me now is definitely different than how it affected me uh, six, seven, eight years ago. So 100%, it's frustrating because I am absolutely someone that um, goes after something, gets it done. I have goal. We're going to reach it. Um, whatever needs to happen, we're we're going to find a way to get to that. So when you use that same thought process for diabetes, which will do whatever it feels like doing. I remember one one comment my endo asked me years and years ago. I have a great relationship with him. Been seeing him a long time, but he asked me one time, you know, why are your blood sugars so high? <laughs> and my immediate response without thinking was, I have diabetes. I have type 1 diabetes. That's why they're so high and it does whatever it feels like. And he laughed. But my, my thought process now is that I just keep trying something else. So I'm frustrated. But if my blood sugar is high, then I'm going to give myself an, another little bit of insulin. I'm going to go grab a water. I'm going to set a timer to look and see in five, 10, 20 minutes, has it come down at all? Or I'm going to look at my site. Is that okay? Did I eat something weird today? I mean, these thoughts are constantly going through my mind of what can I do next if this doesn't work? And, and so I find myself being less and less frustrated because I kind of had those tools in my toolbox now that I never did before of, okay, this didn't work. Well, maybe this will. And eventually it works. And, and if it doesn't, the next day comes along and it's a whole, whole other set of challenges with diabetes. But I think that I just, I look to my toolbox a lot. Yeah. I, and that's terrific. It really is. I, you you just were talking about like setting a timer and looking back in 10 minutes or so. There's so much of, I did this. I made a bolus here. I know what I want to happen and what I expect to happen. 
if that doesn't happen, it's not happening. So I have to do it again. Right. You know, I have to I have to readdress it. And I know people will be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, you're stacking insulin. And I always say, like, you know, it's not stacking if you need it. That's bolusing. <laughs> you, know, you know, like there's a yeah. difference. There's a difference. Um, it, it, and it's a theoretical like you have to really kind of pick through it. Like you can't just keep giving yourself insulin over and over again because it will jump on you at one point. Yeah, and, yeah, of course. And do the wrong thing. Well, one thing that I think scares a lot of people, it definitely scared me. And something I quickly got over in listening to your podcast is if if you can fix it with a juice box or a Gatorade in my, my case or a fruit snack, do it what's the worst that's going to happen? It's going to drop really low, but I'm monitoring it. I'm not ignoring the fact that I have diabetes. So if I can fix it with something nearby, I'm going to keep giving myself a little bit more insulin, you know, with, with certain amount of time in between because, because I can't. And so that when I understood that concept, I, I definitely um, saw a little bit more results too of, of not being scared of a low. I was always terrified of lows and I, I still am. I don't want to get low in the middle of the night and not realize it. But um, knowing that you don't have to be all the time is, is really empowering. And then I will just say, because I know that a lot of times, even listening to the podcast and listening to other speakers, sometimes it could sound like the other person knows exactly what they're doing. I Right now, my blood sugar is is high. I'm 171. Today has been so challenging. Couldn't tell you why. Um, but I, I have a, right now my A1C is about 5.7 when I was in a few weeks ago. So not every day is perfect, but most of the time I'm in a certain range. And so I think that's really important for other people to hear because when people are doing well, they don't necessarily talk about what's not working or what's bad or, or that because people want to see the good. But it's really important to know that you don't have to be perfect to be better at diabetes. I try to tell people all the time that at least twice a day, Arden's blood sugar will make it to 160, sometimes 180 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And her A1C is still in the mid fives consistently. Yeah, and The yeah. difference is the little pieces like you've been talking about for, you know, throughout the whole hour. It's it's not like just going, oh, my blood sugar is 180 and then not thinking about it again. It's, mm-hmm. oh, it's 180. I'll bring it back down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not that I want her blood sugar to be 180. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that right. if it should happen, you can't just go, oh, OK, well, diabetes and then walk away and leave it there. Yeah, you, you got to do something. Yeah, you have yeah. to do something about it. Um, it's just it's a. Uh, it's not a difficult concept, but there's something about the way standardized diabetes education is has been built over the years that makes it feel like oh it went up it'll come back eventually and i i used to think well maybe it's different now because of you know glucose sensing technology mm-hmm. like you know dexcom and stuff like that but now i wonder more if it wasn't that just in the past because that stuff didn't exist and the idea was well if you test too much you're going to burn yourself out so don't test too much just test count your carbs, give yourself insulin, wait three hours, check again, correct it if it's high. Um, You know, if that whole thing didn't just come from the idea of you can't, the concept of, well, you can't really control it anyway, so you might as well not burden yourself with it. Oh, gosh. You know what I mean? And if somehow that doesn't end up morphing into the, the direction that people get current day that really isn't as valuable anymore. So I, I, I don't know. Like, I just think that at every one of these events, you know, I go to, I eventually will meet one family whose kid's blood sugar is just insane. It's like over 400 most of the day. And you talk to the parent and they just, they don't, they don't understand why. Yeah. Um, and I don't see how, as long as that exists in the world anywhere, I don't see how you and me and anybody else who has a voice that's valuable wouldn't try as hard as they can to reach a bunch of people. Absolutely. So, that's exactly know. why we're all doing it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, uh, so wait, watch this. You're going to be very impressed. It's not written down anywhere. <clears throat> watch this. <laughs> if you'd like to do something great for people living with type one diabetes, you should check out touched by type one.org and find them on Instagram and Facebook. How was that? It's not bad, huh? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that in my sleep, Elizabeth. Just so you know. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly wakes me up one day and goes, "Oh my God, fine, I'll go to touchbytype1.org. Leave me alone." <laughs> that's uh, fantastic. I really appreciate you doing this. How can you have listened for the past hour? 
and not love Elizabeth the way I do. It's not possible. So now follow through. Go to touchedbytype1.org and figure out what's going on over there. See if you can get involved, if you can get helped, or if you can help. Touchedbytype1.org. And thanks so much to you guys for listening, for sharing the show, for leaving the great reviews, for helping out so much in the private Facebook group, for all the things you do to support the podcast. You have my sincere thanks. I'll be back very soon with another episode. If you wait until after these ads, I'll tell you who the guest is going to be. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. Go find out about the blood glucose meter that Arden's using that I find to be the most accurate that we've ever seen. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Don't forget to look into the test strip savings program. Find out if you're eligible for a free meter. Do all the things that that website offers. It's going to be good for you. Okay, thank you for listening to the two ads. Next episode. Jenny's back. Jenny's back. Back from space. Yes, she's back. Back again. Jenny's back. Jenny's back. Jenny's back. Jenny's back. Jenny's back.